Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from NerdWorks Media. Welcome back to Doc Talks, where I Doc Talk. I hope everybody's doing well today, doing awesome, doing amazing. We have quite a bit to cover today, and I got a really late start. It was very busy today, and I'm fighting a headache. Lots of stuff going on. Last night, we got together and started putting together some Bros and Dragons side quest stuff for the Bros and Dragons podcast. We didn't have anything set up in case one of the players was sick, and so we've decided to move forward with some of those, which forces me to build a little bit more of the world as we play in different realms of the world with things that are going on with the events that are happening in Bros and Dragons. So maybe later on those may become a little bit more famous, but we'll see what happens uh, as we get together and we make these. This week, we confront the Divine Beefy Boys. We talk a little bit about Paladins. Tonight, after this game night uh, with Druid Locks, and uh, man, I, I don't know who his co-host is, and I had it written down, and I don't have it written down in the right spot. But it is. There, It's an awesome talk show. I've enjoyed it so far. Everybody I've talked to has enjoyed it so far. It's a really good one. Hopefully they put it out in podcast form, but we'll see. As always on this show, we're going to talk a little bit about the historical aspects, the aspects, a little bit of the role-playing, what it entails, stuff like that. When we, episodes ago, went through building characters and uh, leveling characters together and doing examples, uh, NerdWorks did a palette. He thought he was going to have me build it on, but it wasn't that. But paladins are very unique and really do add a really cool aspect. Whether it's role-playing or strategy and combat abilities, they offer a lot. Um, also, one of the few classes that if you did all paladins, the party would be okay. Depending on what you do. The history of paladins is a little weird. The 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 mythology of paladins is what we're going to look at because that's what it was. Not a real, factually found historical references on paladins. Historically, they're traced back to medieval time. Art and romance at the time were lines stands much the same as King Arthur and the Round Table time, and they were seen kind of similar. Medieval court knights is kind of what they were put at, using knights very loosely as a term. Portrayed as holy defenders of faith. They have non-historic romances written about them, but in history, knights that hold titles is basically the closest I could find. In titles, what I mean by that is like retainers, a group of titled people that make a circle or an infinity around a service to another, whether it be a crown, a, a thought, a movement, an ideal, something along the lines of that. There is another one that I found, which I like, and, and I knew about this one for a while, is the mythology of paladins being noble knights that hunted witches because lineage-wise, they had... Their, their holy standing of some kind granted them immunity against the magic... They're not based in any real historical events that we can search with any amount of actual facts. In Dungeons and Dragons, paladins are divine knights. They serve a faith. 
I know there's a ton of arguments about gods and services and all this other stuff. And to be honest with you, it just is a roundabout. In D&D, the gods are more active. Most of the gods used to be mortal. They can be seen. They let themselves be known and seen a lot. They do things. It's not... Uh, you know, you don't have to be religious, but if you don't want to be at least a little bit religious and your DM's world is is set up to be that way, these are things that I understand you want to play them because it's super powerful or you have an idea, which is fine. And, and I'll say it like this. DM's, Dungeon Masters, always allow your players to be creative at the table. But if you have a table of friends like mine, mixed company of people people that don't normally sit on the same side of the fence we have to make sure that all different walks of life and opinions are measured so allow people to be creative but just make sure that they're not doing it insultingly and and it it's across all patterns. I should have been talking about this the whole time. Choosing gods in this instance gives you role-playing advantages. If you don't want to be, I've always enjoyed the celestial warlock whose patron is their paladin spouse who has a devotion to them. And there's that connection. I love the romantic connection to that. And that is something that is possible to play according to the rules of Dean. Why do I say it like that? And it's because as Dungeon Masters, we have to balance. We have to have a good balance at our tables to make sure that everybody is equally represented. I dislike D&D shows that are niche, that, that you have to be this sexuality with this sexual gender identity or gender identity. We have to do it this way with this. And they're always... Because... And the reason I hate it. And it doesn't matter how you do it. It's always insulting to somebody. And they're doing it on purpose. Now, could that be fun? Yes. Are there some great stories that can come of that? Yes. I enjoy casts that are made up like that. That don't do that. But they're very far and few between. There are some really famous ones. Some really good ones that do that. Uh, broadswords, venture maidens, these people I know aren't would never do that. They believe that everybody has a chance. They just have this really cool story dynamic they're telling. Also, I would consider some of them, not my friends, but acquaintances, that I would be very... If, if we were in a party together, I would acknowledge that I know them. Um, and I don't like people, so that's a big compliment. If you talk to players and quote-unquote experts of the game today... There's a group of people that don't, like, I surprise people all the time when I tell them each edition, though it's a change of the game, has a story to it that's actually a really cool story if you go and find it and read through it. But these people today are like, no, you got to let people play however they want to play. I would never do that. I would never do that. I would never let anybody insult anybody at my table. It doesn't matter. Love everyone. My hashtag is not just me giving that hashtag. I really mean it. And I think we need to concentrate on more of that. I want to add to it, though, and not take away, which is, yes, I want you to play the idea that your character is. And we have to compromise because we have to get as close to as true as the world that I designed is allowing you to play. This is one of those times I remind you that dungeon masters are also players at the table. 
Just because they're not the ones with the PC does not mean they're not playing at that table. Everybody at the table has to feel like they're having a good time and playing, and we all need to be a little bit more flexible. That's the last I'm going to say on that. I'm not trying to start anything. I'm just giving my two cents. All paladins gain proficiency with all armors and shields, all weapons. They have training. They have dedication. When you decide to play a paladin, you really need to know the tenets of the oath so that when you're in role-playing situations, you're supposed to be striving for that because you're training for that oath. Just keep that in mind as you play a paladin. All paladins have divine sense. And, and you can be true to the senses. You can come up and invoke your own. It doesn't matter as long as the end result doesn't gain or subtract from what it does. Whether it's smell, hearing, your senses know that evil or good is near. Divine Sense also has features you can use, which if you use an action to invoke your Divine Sense, until the end of your next turn, you know the location of Celestial, Fiend, or Undead within 60 feet, but it's not identified. In that same area, you know any place or object that has been consecrated or desecrated. Again, it only lasts its 60 feet, but you can only do it a number of times up to 1 plus your Charisma modifier. And you can do this per long rest. So whether you use them or not, they all come back after a long rest. All Paladins have a Lay on Hands ability, which is pretty much just a healing pool of energy. Five times the Paladin's level, so at level one you have five points. You can spend one to five, or, you know, increments to heal by touching. You also have an ability where if you use a collective of five points, you can cure one poison or one disease by touching somebody. Or, excuse me, a disease or poison from touching someone. That's everything you get right off the bat. At second level, uh, you're going to adopt a fighting style. You get to pick one of the fighting styles. Just like a fighter, it's defense, dueling, great weapon, or protection. Each of them does something, defense adding the AC. you got to look into them a little bit more. Some of them don't seem really beneficial, but, like, great weapon fighter, if you roll a 1 on any of your damage die, you can re-roll it. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it can be, because every point sometimes counts. At second level, you also gain your Divine Smites. This is why a lot of people want to play Paladin. Right here, sums it up, even though it's so much more, it's bigger, it's stronger, but this is a big function of that. Once you hit a creature with a melee attack, you can expend one spell slot to do extra radiant damage as well. It's 2d8 for a first level spell slot. And anything higher than that is 1d8 extra. So it's 2d8, and then if you have second level, it's 3d8. You can only do this up to 5d8 worth of damage. So if you multi-class and you get into ninth level spells, you still have a limit. It's 5d8. You do gain 1d8 for each spell level if it's an undead or fiend that you're attacking. And these are things that DMs and players need to try to remember together. This gives a big pool of extra damage that you could do as a big beefy boy and there's nothing wrong with that it's actually a really cool dynamic i know some dms don't like it at one point i didn't like the 5e paladins just because it it just felt overpowered but as i got to know the system better i learned a little bit more and and now i'm i'm pretty much okay with anything 
Um, and at second level, you gain spell casting abilities. And it, it explains it in there. You're a divine caster, so you're limited. And you get oath spells as pools. We'll talk about that. But at third level, you gain divine health, which allows the divine magic that flows in you makes you immune to disease. At third level, that's pretty good. You're going to gain oath spells at this point. I talked about them a little bit. And just to explain, they're spells associated with the oath that you're going to take. And they're always available to you, and they do not count against the spells that you prepared. So they're always on your spell list. They do not count against your prepared spells. It's just given to you from your oath. Channel Divinity, just like clerics have Channel Divinity, except clerics Channel Divinity has something. You don't get Turn Undead Channel Divinity. These are each associated with the oath. Now you still get the same amount. You still get two choices, but the the oath tells you the choices and they're all different. When you hit 5th level, you're going to get an extra attack. So when you take the attack action, you actually attack twice. This isn't bonus action, it's just the attack action. At 6th level, you gain your first aura. I will tell you right now and I will say this multiple times, a paladin can only have one aura active at a time. The first aura that you gain at 6th level for, or the one that you gain for all paladins at 6th level is Aura of Protection. Your aura goes out 10 feet from you at this level. At 18th level, it goes up to 30. It allows friendly creatures that are 10 feet from you to add your Charisma modifier to a forced saving throw, something that they have to save against. They have to be 10 feet from you. You need to be conscious. Your, your character needs to be conscious. But all these things are available to you. At 11th level, all paladins gain improved Divine Smite. It's not really adding to Divine Smite. It's adding to each attack. Each attack has Divine Energy to it, and each attack is 1d8. Every hit has 1d8 extra Radiant Damage, along with all other damage dice, and if you use a Smite, you add all that, etc. This is where the beefy boy topic gets in. This is their... A lot of hit. A giraffe. Look at all the icons. You guys are cute. At 11th level, you're going to gain... Uh, that's the improved divine smite. Sorry, at 14th level, you gain cleansing touch. You can use your action. In, in a battle, you get action, bonus action. We talked about it. But action, bonus action, uh, movement, and reaction. In this pool, you can use your action to end one spell on yourself or one willing creature you touch. You can do this equal to your charisma modifier between every long rest. And that's what all paladins get. Let's talk about the oath. So we're going to jump into Oath of Conquest, which is the first one. If anybody you guys know about the show, we do it in alphabetical order. We're here. We love you. We're going to do this. Oath of Conquest um, is a paladin that's very Viking slash Mandalorian mentality. And that's the finding glory in battle and subjugating your enemies. Those are the two things. I told you tenants were really important, so let's go over them and we will do them for each one of the oaths. Um, this one's tenants are... Excuse me. It's, it might be a migraine because the sinuses are affecting Douse the Flame of Hope. It is not to merely defeat an enemy in battle. It is not enough to merely defeat an enemy in battle. Your victory must be overwhelming. That your enemy's will to fight is shattered forever. A blade can end a life. Fear 
can end an empire. And Spiralbot is awesome. Rule with an iron fist. Once you have conquered, tolerate no dissent. Your word is law. Those who obey it shall be favored. Those who defy it shall be punished as an example to all who might follow. And the third tenet is strength above all. You shall rule until a stronger one arises. Then you must grow mightier and meet the challenge or fall to your own ruin. <laughs> so the tenets are set up to give you what your oath is. Um, I will go over the oath spells too. I told you I was going to. So at third level... You get uh, Armor of Agathus and Command. At 5th level, you get Hold Person and Spiritual Weapon. A lot of Spiritual Weapon. Uh, ninth, Bestow Curse and Fear, because of course. At 13th level, you get Dominate Beast and Stone Skin. And 17th level, you'll gain, if you get that far, Cloud Kill and Dominate Person. Let's get into what the oath is. I'm going to go a little short today because I do have a timetable and we'll go through, we're going to get through conquest. It's not super long. None of these are. We're going to go through paladins pretty quick. When you gain this, you get your two channel divinities. The two for conquest is conquering presence and guided strike. Conquering presence as an action, again, using that action, you use your holy symbol. Paladins, holy symbols can be anything. Anybody's can. And I encourage you to create something cool, whether it's on your glove, in your palm, on your shield, if you're using a shield, even on your weapon. As an action, you force each creature you choose within 30 feet of you to make a wisdom save. On a failed save, they're frightened of you for one minute. This is the frightened effect, so... At the end of each of their turns, they get to attempt to not be afraid again. But they are afraid. The second one, Guided Strike, is when you make an attack, you can use your channel of divinity to add plus 10 to your attack. You make the choice uh, to use this after you see the roll, but before the DM says it hits. So this is just conversations at the table. It's not, you can make it a game to raise, but really all you do is talk to the DM, you roll the dice, you see the number, and before you say anything, you choose if you're going to use this or not. I encourage the, when you use something, tell me, economy, uh, keeps us all honest at the table. Um, but it, the guy that strikes pretty nice when you're in a clutch, when you got to get that hit in. At 7th level, you gain Aura of Conquest. Remember, you can only have one Aura going at a time. It still has the 10 feet, 30 feet at 18th level. Uh, but anyways, it causes creatures that are frightened of you within 10 feet of you. And then 30 feet at 18th level. Their speed becomes 0. And if they start... Their turn in your aura, they take psychic damage equal to half your paladin level. Now, at seventh level, we round down. That's three points. It's not a lot, but they're not going anywhere until they become unfrightened. <laughs> and if you sit yourself right, you're going to get an attack of opportunity if they try to get away from you once they are. And I reiterate, you can only have one aura at a time according to the rules. 
at 15th level, you're going to gain scornful rebuke. And I love how this is written. If a creature dare strike you, when it hits with an attack, it takes psychic damage equal to your charisma modifier. It's just pain in the head, psychic push damage from just hitting you. At 20th level, if you ever get there, you can use an action to become the avatar of conquest. You have an angelic form that you turn into for one minute. During that minute, you have resistance to all damage. In that minute, when you take an attack action, you make one additional attack. And obviously, at this point, you have the two attacks, so it's now three. And for one minute, uh, your melee weapon attacks score crits on 19s and 20s. You can use this feature only once every long rest. Becoming the embodiment of an angel. I think we did pretty good, and we're finishing on time, even though I started really late, and I do apologize about that. Paladins are very unique, and and Paladins are one of the few classes that if you decided to do an all-Paladin group, would work out really well. There are quite a few of those, but it is a little bit more optional, and we'll get into that when we go through the other uh, ones. And again, we're going to go through the written ones, so the ones that we're going to do... Starting next week is Devotion, Glory, Redemption, The Ancients, The Crowns, The Watcher, or sorry, The Crown, The Watcher, and Oathbreakers. We're going to cover that. It's in the DMG. Remember that DMs, Dungeon Masters, whatever you're going to call yourself, but Dungeon Masters in the book. Snap! Hi! (laughs) Remember there's a chance that if they do... Break their tenants. So DMs, you got to pay attention. But if they break their tenants, they can become oath breakers. And it's interesting. In the past, I've done where they've just became the minimal fighter, whatever was in Paladin up to their level, they gained as a fighter. And they had a redemption quest that was really hard, could possibly kill anybody that was helping them, including the Paladin. But to get their powers back, they had to do it. Um, that's not my idea. Uh, and, and in fact, the quests themselves were never my idea. Uh, they were mishmash from other people that did the same thing. But it's really fun. And, and Oathbreakers are really neat to the RP of a story. If you guys have any questions on Paladins as we're doing this, I would love to hear them. I will answer them. Uh, again, next Tuesday, we finish Conquest, so we go to Devotion. Uh, and we're doing the ones that are in the books. There's a couple of UA ones that are out there right now. I didn't really look into those. Uh, I would be here forever if I tried to do every homebrewed thing somebody did. I'm glad you guys came out. Uh, remember, cool game night talk show in about an hour. They sometimes start earlier, so just pay attention. <laughs> I appreciate it, Snap. And you can find this on podcast form. I have all 34 that are done. This one will be on Friday, 35. I really do appreciate you guys coming out um, and doing this. And I really hope it is useful. And if it's not, let me know. And it won't be much longer if sources are correct. 6E 
is looking to be coming out. We'll finish 5e up before 6e hits. So, Guys, in an hour game, uh, game night starts probably sooner than that. So come look at game night for now. I don't even know if I changed the title. I probably need to go back. Love one another. Keep it nerdy. And live your dreams. Later. I moved the outro. I can't find it. Oh, there it is. Okay, bye. This has been a NerdWorks production.